Today's show is brought to you by Club W. Humans have been making wine for thousands of years, and they've been confused about which wine to drink just as long. Club W takes the headache out of shopping for wine. Our listeners get 50% off their first order right now by going to clubw.com slash badchristian. Today's show is also brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron sends gourmet recipes and all the fresh ingredients you need to make them right to your door. And our listeners get their first two meals for free. Just go to blueapron.com slash badchristian to start cooking incredible meals at home. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. How's it going, whippersnappers? This is Matt. You guys are whippersnappers in the fact, you know, you're young. You may you may not be old enough to remember back to 2005, the summer of 2005, when a little band called Emery came on the scene with their second record, which is also the best record of all time, and we invented Screamo. <laughs> no, of course we did not invent Screamo, but we did come out with the question, and it was really, really good. It was really good. It's so good, in fact, that 10 years later, we're going on tour and playing all those songs. And it really is awesome. really is cool. Now, here's the very cool thing is to celebrate that, we had a guy named Zarin redo the whole question in 8-bit format. So it sounds a little bit like this music underneath us right now. So every single song done and arranged for your listening, downloading, streaming, buying, pay what you want, pleasure. But yeah, basically it's free. We're going to put it out on Monday or Tuesday, something like that, on the 26th, whatever day that is. This will be out. It'll be on Bandcamp, and it will be free to download. Again, I suggest pay what you want, but free. Just get it. It's incredibly fun to listen to. You'll like it. It'll be up very soon on streaming for Spotify, iTunes. And that means a lot to us because we get paid every time you stream it. And we love that. We're uh, forward thinking here. We embrace streaming. We think it's great. You can stream it 100 times or more and we get more money than it had you bought it. And guess what? You don't even have to pay the money. So stream our new album. Stream this 8-bit album and tell people about it. It's going to be really fun. Emory 8-bit versions coming right up. Also... Uh, quick note, Matt McDonald from Vocal View, Classic Crime, is going to be on tour with us. He's going to be playing bass and doing some singing. His band, Vocal Few, record comes out this Friday, October 30th, and they're going to celebrate by doing a stage show for everybody in the world, and it's going to be 50 cents. You can pay 50 cents and see them, what they do in the living room, show for you broadcast on the internet. So join them to celebrate their CD release and watch their stage it. Tune in there. All right, Toby and Joey time. Joey, you're kind of sick today, so I'm going to take this. No, 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 no. I don't know. I feel left out. Please don't. No, do this just to let me. me start this. Please don't do this to me. All right. You oh, hey. kind of sick. No. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, help us start the show out, buddy. Yeah, we're going to stop at two. Your voice makes me sick. <laughs> we are going to stop at two. Three. Three. Two real. Ah, 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 my name is Joey, and I'm running the show at 20 below, so y'all let me know, so bring your hoe. It's the Big Christian Porky. Yeah. 
Hey, I just figured out something. That's how I can synchronize. I'm going to say Bad Christian Podcast along with Toby from now on whenever he comes in. And then when I synchronize the audio later, that will be my slate. Boom. That's how I'll keep audio issues like the Craig Gross delay issue from happening in the future. Isn't that a good idea? Oh, yeah. That's a del- that's a wonderful idea because that was a living nightmare to listen to. <laughs> yeah, I know. It. Sorry for that. It's hard. So, it's difficult. So for all you non-Bad Christian Club members... We need help. We need editors. We need all kinds of stuff. And, we, and that costs money. So join the club so we can have a kick-ass sounding podcast instead yeah, of a yeah. nightmare dream that I have. I tell you what, the, the audio issues are so difficult, especially across a long podcast and everything and learning to do it. I'm an audio engineer. I make mistakes almost every week. There's some little thing. There's, just a, there's a million things to do, and it's hard to get the quality where it needs to be. Uh, and you can see that, and this is not a knock at all, but Joey's podcast when it starts Pastor With No Answers, Obviously, there's some weird audio stuff there and getting the hang of it. But what I'm what I want to say is, I think it's actually getting better and better. We're on episode three now of Pastor with No Answers, and Joey, the intro this week and the quality there was great. Also, I really enjoyed the talking because this podcast in general, I'm starting. It's funny because I I have li- less to do with it. I don't produce it. I'm, right. I don't hear it till it comes out, and so I get to purely listen to this podcast with my friend on it and enjoy it. And I am tremendously enjoying your show oh man thank you that's such a i actually love it too I, I, I think that the conversations are good that's what i think people are, are really digging it because it's good conversation and you have a good mix of uh panel i guess is what you yeah. might would call them that are somewhere out there but everybody kind of <clears throat> at least knows what they're talking about a little bit uh except for the one that mm-hmm. i was on I, I did not know anything well but. i think yeah i think what uh with bad Christian, we've kind of found a niche. We don't even have to describe it here. I think the niche here is sometimes we'll have some experts on a subject on, but that's not required. So in other words, if we want to have Toby to talk pro Calvinism, when you may not be the most qualified to do that, we're going to do it because it's just, (laughs) it's just regular dudes talking about subjects in the locker room or over a beer or whatever. So I like it. And Matt, you know, uh, we get, people all the time saying hey what should i do how should i start a podcast how can i make money blah, blah blah and matt said something a while back i think to me too and it really is true for if you want to start a podcast you have to do it because you like it and it's something that you would do yep. no matter what and Absolutely. i can honestly say i love getting some buddies together and talking about stuff that's super interesting to me and uh that's why it's fun it was fun having toby on that time way back and then matt i made some arrangements with you to talk about politics i mean it's just so much fun to get on and talk that's so. good so i just wanted to tell you in a very encouraging and real way that i really like it and the the best part is being the listener you know yeah. where i feel like i want to chime in so you know that's a home run on the podcast when you want to chime in for instance i really always want to engage with jared on there i feel like oh man how did he i can't believe he said that i want to like he was talking about if, if i may sidebar here, yeah. Instead of saying, "Let me on your podcast," can I do it a little? Can I talk about your podcast here a minute? You know what? This is your podcast, so you can talk about whatever <laughs> you want to talk about. <laughs> so I know Jared listens to this show, and I listen to his show. So, but what I thought was really insane on the last one was. He was talking about Darwinism and and how that lays the foundations for stuff. And I knew that, that was going to light you up. The evolution. <laughs> it was so interesting what he said because he said that you know that 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 is the basis for stuff like. Uh, eugenics and you know survival of fittest is a terrible moral thing. It teaches people to to kill other people and the strongest man survive, and that would be the the thing. And that and then he also said that atheists 
basically use that when they're trying to do this and make make it where there's no need for God anymore and kind of those things that I thought were kind of moral things and really beside the point of evidentially whether or not it happened. For yeah. instance, the Big Bang Theory doesn't isn't blamed for or you wouldn't say like if you if you believed in the big bang theory you wouldn't combat that by saying yeah but if we believe that big bang theory that's probably why we have all these terrorists blowing up buildings because they like <laughs> explosions you see you know what i mean it doesn't just because that happened or is a process doesn't not excuse or grant anybody or is prescriptive of moral behavior or anything so i thought if it's true that's all you should should base it on but the thought that it makes me really weird about is um I guess it doesn't matter to me if people believe different things scientifically or whatever. Like if people think that nitrogen only has four nuclear particles. Yeah. If people have mistakes about that or if people think the DNA is actually made out of bird poop and they taught it in schools, that's actually no big deal. It's just useless information to most people that doesn't affect them anyway. So it doesn't really matter. It's just the thoughts that precipitate that kind of thinking, and then what happens secondarily as a consequence of that kind of thinking. That's why I think it's important. It's not really the facts that's important. It's like like you're already thinking, I don't want that to be true, or what would that mean if that was true, so I'm going to oppose it, and then you look for the evidence second to back up your point of view. And then secondarily, once you come down in a camp that way, then it seems like it leads to a lot of division and stuff, because now you go, okay, so it's us versus these people. You know what I mean? Whereas the actual, you know, what happened in the Big Bang or evolution or carbon dating, the facts of those don't really matter that much. Yeah, but in Jerry's defense, he would say the same thing about the opposite side. They would they would argue just as hard as him. So it's not, I mean, obviously that, that separates the two, but I think that starts conversation. The main thing is, I know Jerry's listening to this and he is pissed off. <laughs> oh, I, but, I, mean, that, I don't think he's, uh, Jerry's crazy. I mean, he's really smart and knows a lot and yeah. I'm not disrespecting him any at, at all. I just... I just that's so interesting to me is when you if like I said it's not the facts of the scientific stuff of what you arrive at actually I don't think matters it's like the mode of thinking that gets you there and what you do afterward it feels so political or something it's like if you have a predictable standpoint though that's what kind of bothers me and I'm not saying Jared's predictable or anything smarter than me knows more than me everything for instance like a, a, polit- a person from your high school, you can guess what they're going to come down on every issue on Facebook about whether it be gun control or abortion. You, know, you can guess where they're going to come down, right? Well, I think if it's predictable where you could come down on every issue, that's probably, there's probably some, you know, I don't think that's a good thing. I think the more you are thoughtful and think and a, a, assess stuff, and I'm not talking about Jared, I'm talking about in general now, then you would have unpredictable uh, positions. Like if somebody said, what do you think about gun control, Toby? You go, You'd be surprised to hear him say, anti. What do you think about abortion, Toby? Pro. What do you think about evolution, Toby? Uh, I'm actually in the middle on that, and here's why. You know, if, you, if, somebody, if you could guess where somebody's going to come down on every position, that's not a good thing. Right. Don't you think? Right. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I, the main that's thing— more thoughtful if you've addressed each issue instead of have a party line or ideology. Can you guys guess what I'm thinking right now? Uh, you're probably going to say, boring. That's exactly right, man. <laughs> man, you are smart, my friend. Wow. Can we move on from this boring part of the podcast? And I want to say something funny that happened today uh, that got me thinking. So we were, ahead, we were going to out to eat lunch. Joey, just out of nowhere, says, hey, Toby, you know how I say you and Priscilla... Uh, or have a lot in common. Well, there's something that Joey's going to ask. Joey's going to ask that this is deleted, by the way. He said, if it references his family in yeah. any way, then he'll ask for it to be deleted. <laughs> so he said, so don't, don't say it. He's, and uh, one of the ladies that was with us, Jennifer, said, oh, I know what it is. She hates the word moist. And it kind of made Joey's mind kind of skip to that. And he goes, oh, yeah, she, she hates moist. 
and panties. Moist panties. <laughs> he said that with two ladies in the car. And then you should see Joey's face. He immediately was like dejected, like he blew it. He was like, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I didn't mean to offend you guys or anything like that. But he just, like he didn't even, he just, he was saying Priscilla doesn't like the word panties and she does not like the word moist, but he put them together and said moist, moist panties. panties. Yeah. And then he immediately looked at the two ladies like, hey, I'm really sorry. I hope y'all aren't offended. I'm really, I didn't he ran into say- accidental coarse <laughs> joking is what that's called. Well, I mean, they, these, are sup- these are super close friends of mine and they did as close as I am to them. They did seem uncomfortable. Like I don't think they were. That? They don't think you were trying yeah. to say something. Oh, I, yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, they weren't. But the the funniest part was that it was your face. Your face just being like, <laughs> "Oh no, I just said something I shouldn't. I'm in trouble, maybe." <laughs> and, and one of the ladies actually said, "Are you worried you're going to lose your job?" He was like, "No," but he just felt like he could have hurt their feelings. But anyway, that got me to thinking because then we all went off for on a tangent of like words that grocery up. I hate, hate, hate hate the terminology for a woman's exam i just think it sounds joy doesn't like the word pap smear or the word uh, is that word or words Words. what about you don't like pap smear what about the foo fighters guitarist pat smear Pat Smear. you like him though don't you it's like it's one letter different i mean is that not you you don't like him now yeah it reminds (laughs) do i not like him you don't like foo fighters now because of that come on i don't like music anymore Uh, but it made me think like then my mind obviously started going even worse and I was like you know what I said I actually think it's a really not good word <laughs> I actually don't think the word vagina is good like I'm it doesn't sound nice I mean it's, it's not attractive or it's harsh right you know what I mean like it's just I kind of ran my mind through it I don't think there's any like nice words for it like they're almost all condescending but don't you think that that is derivative of the, of just what uh, the the social taboo on right that yes, par- yes body part though so it wouldn't matter if you made if you named it coffee grinder from the beginning you would think that was disgusting. Come on. that's what I'm saying look at the you word know, you chose <laughs> look at the word I said you that because I'm looking okay I'll say other things hot dog bun. Uh, uh, stepping stool stuff that I'm looking at in front of my face in my kitchen. What I'm saying is, you, uh, I'm arbitrarily saying objects in my room, crown molding. What it doesn't matter what you call it, you 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 wind up thinking it's a gross thing because of what it's associated with. What about as a, a social taboo? Whatever it was called in widespread would become a, a gross word. Okay, but that's what I'm saying. That's what sucks. But I don't. I disagree. And and what I did was I thought, what if we could rename vagina? So I looked up. <laughs> I actually looked up the 100 most beautiful words in English, and I thought we could rename the vagina. <laughs> and some of them are not like... I appreciate the, well, pre- the prep work you did here, Tommy. Well, That's good stuff. Let's well, hear it. Well, like, okay, some of them you've heard before, but I thought this, like, this is a flowering or blooming efflorescence, like fluorescent, efflorescence, like, oh, man, look, man, I love your efflorescence. <laughs> what about elixir? <laughs> this is my, my baby's. I love your elixir, baby. I even thought this one was kind of nice, which we oh, all know. <laughs> this, ah, oh, you you have a wonderful leisure. <laughs> These are awesome. Like uh, I'm trying to look. The felicity or uh, a lithe means slender and flexible. Um, we could have called it love. <laughs> we could have. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, our. Uh, let's see what our talisman. 
Wouldn't that be amazing if it was like a yeah, nice that sounding word? Great. Yeah, that but but only, for, hey, no, listen, only for just a very no. short period of time, and it would become perverse beyond your imagination, and it would I, start grossing you out. I just I'm I'm with Toby on this one. The word vagina is just not but fair for v women. V and G and yeah. Ina, all those are really harsh sounding words, uh, harsh sounding sounds and syllables and consonants. I'm just saying, I think actually it just sounds too tough. Like why hey, can't hey. we come up with something yeah. really? Hey, listen, listen. To How this. about a panoply? <laughs> it's a complete set. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to um I tried to jump to uh what we call a dudes like a penis and that doesn't sound that great but then it hit me it doesn't need to be we're dudes we're not like we're not beautiful creatures like females yeah but you like, want it to be like a, a the the tough words like dick or cock or <laughs> even even I'm making a face <laughs> Matt he's making Pecker. a face pecker Toby was wiener making, Toby like, was I making mean, that, aggressive faces. you want those things you don't want something beautiful and pretty but I mean like the, like we can't honor our ladies with like giving them a nice name right. like I was even what about this a ripple <laughs> that's awesome that's better than vagina I know anything's better than vagina I think it's terrible yeah. There's only one thing yeah, worse. Th- there's only one thing worse than the word vagina to me. Damn news. Pro- no, no, my friend. How about that Michigan State win over oh Michigan and our good friend Nick Bunda? I had to bring it up. Uh, Nick, Nick helps us with our podcast. He gets he helps us with the ads, with the planning, with guests. He's all over. His fingerprints are all over this podcast. He is a massive Michigan fan, and if you didn't see that game, go YouTube that one part because it is that's one of the worst things ever so, in the whole world so and i think upsetting. i think that loss is worse than the word vagina <laughs> it's i don't know if that's the worst loss or the best loss in history but i mean it's it's like the best It'll loss never because be everybody know yeah it's first of all it's famous and you got to say you're a part of it and saw it also it didn't hurt them that bad as you can see in the polls ultimately it may keep them out of the playoff which yeah. is pretty devastating but you get the most credit for that loss of all time because no analyst or person would say, oh, yeah, because Michigan State's way better. they just go, oh, that was just one radical coincidence that happened to result in the, uh, the wrong team winning the game. It just makes me feel sick for those individuals on the field and, the, and then the fans. Like, that's just so gut-wrenching. It's, it's agonizing, which is what makes sports great. But that is – I really – I don't even like Michigan. I would pull against them in almost every case, and I was so – like, I – you could feel just gross in my stomach about I was so unhappy for him. Bad stuff. That's nice of you. It's wrong for Christians to be that way. Don't you think? I am that way. What? I mean, I, I have a hard time not being devastated, especially after the NFC Championship. That's not right. That's not okay. No, like, I think it's no. okay. Like You, you spend What's time and you it? care about your team and – I think I don't think that's like a sin or no, I mean yeah, but, to be upset about football losses. Yeah, is but bad. you walk you walked around dejected all day that Sunday. I still am walking around. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. Nick Bunda's not going to be. Do you mean ever. in proportion to the suffering in the world? But you get more upset about a football game or something? Yeah, I mean that. Well, that's just one of many reasons. I mean, we're upset. I mean, do, the significance of a football game is no more than a playground hopscotch game. It doesn't have any meaning to this world. It's a these people are are part of a business in the NFL. These are businessmen, and we it affects our life to such a deep degree that well, it's it can't just, be it's like okay. a hobby or something. If you worked hard on a hobby and it felt you know you built a birdhouse and it just collapsed immediately, you'd be dejected and stuff like that. It's just part of I think <laughs> it's part so of God's bad. creation and humanity of like the celebration. I mean, the celebration comes with the defeat just the same so like when me and you were jumping up and down in that box at the clemson carolina game that time you'd say praise god what a wonderful joy this is right 
I wouldn't say praise God. That's stupid. You don't, oh, you only praise God for certain things. Okay, cool. No, I'm just saying. I would. I, I'm saying. Maybe I'm way off on this, but I'm. I was just assuming when we're together, fellowshipping, enjoying our football team, and something unbelievable happens, and we're celebrating that that would be good. Or yeah. I don't think that's bad. I would thought that would be like glory to God for this part of humanity like some of my most exuberant moments in my life have come at almost inconsequential dice rolls for two dollars or ten dollars on, on tour when something absolutely un, unexpected and uh coincidental happens somebody rolls four sixes on a on a roll yeah, or something that's true or four five six five times in a row and it's just the room explodes that well that's i mean that's that's, that's incredible thing that god's given us in my opinion but it, and it also comes with the, the the negative part of who lost too but that's not negative that's just Wow, God has created a range of emotion like that. It's amazing. Yeah, that's super interesting to me. I mean, would you guys say the same thing about what if your friend Joey was upset every time I felt like my bank account wasn't as high as it should be? Y'all would say Joey's got a problem with money, needs to figure that out, and not put so much happiness <laughs> in money. Isn't that the same thing? It, yeah, but if it was affecting your life, but that didn't affect your life like negatively or you didn't do your job or couldn't yeah. provide for your family or anything like that. I think, okay, like for example, I, here's where I think I sin. Like, Last year's NFC Championship, yeah, I was really down. Green Bay lost a crazy game to the you got wasted. dumb. No, I went and robbed a liquor store. <laughs> and I know I shouldn't have done that, but I was so mad. I was like, I don't care yeah, anymore. Help it. I shouldn't have done that. I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to go to jail. But I would say for sure, don't go rob a liquor store yeah, because of football. But how much worse is it? Women have the gateway to life between their legs, and we named it vagina. I'm with you. <laughs> that's, where li- that's where we all came from. Right. Every human on earth right now came from there, and we named it something like that. I just think it's unfair. Sorry I trailed off. All right, moving on. All right, let's bring our guest on. I'm excited. Who is uh, it? Matt Moore. He is Ooh. a unbelievable writer and i'm telling you just a great great conversation uh we're not even uh, no need to tell you here uh let's do it let's bring them on all right guys i i want to level with you i am trying to eat healthier live healthier and i've been doing a lot of reading on the benefits of red wine yeah and so mm-hmm. our sponsor is club w and i just want to say almost it's like a lifesaver i feel like it might be saving my life and my wife and i love wine we've been drinking wine now mm-hmm. for several years now the big catch there is we always have to go to the store try to pick through this big amount some of, of it's cheap yeah, taste. Yeah. No way you know what and, they and are. you're exactly right i don't know what to choose that's where club w has come in and it's been awesome for jess and i you basically take this little uh preference quiz and it kind of asks you some of your preferences and then they send you wine based on that and it's amazing and here's what's really cool jess and i are even kind of taking the nerdy route and like journaling <laughs> like which <laughs> wines we like best and while yeah. like we're kind of being that's the nerdy good. it's fun yeah it is it's actually something that's kind of like our thing now and it's really awesome to get great great quality wine at such an affordable price and it's sent to my my door but there's nothing more fun than it coming to your house and oh getting it. it's gosh. a treat it's a package yeah. also this stuff is a third you're getting it like great to glass it's the revolution really mm-hmm. so it kind of fixes everything and you're getting this stuff at a third of what you'd pay at the store and better than that there's not even any risk it's 100 percent guarantee that you'll love what they send you totally and right now club w is offering our listeners 50 percent off of your first <laughs> order come. when you go to club w.com forward slash bad christian you guys just really I- i'm serious stop wasting your time and your money I- you are not a wine expert i'm not i'm i'm not gonna even go there so go to club w.com slash bad christian and you get 50 percent off your first order that's club w.com slash bad christian 50% off your first order. You can't pass that up. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I hate picking it out 
at the store because I just have nothing. I don't know nothing about it. But let me tell you this. Clubw.com forward slash bad Christian, and you're going to get 50% off when you do that. Um, so this is really funny. One thing that I can't do is even cook anything. <laughs> I have The best thing I've ever made is a banana sandwich, and that's about it. But because of this podcast, because of these listeners, and because of our awesome, awesome sponsor, Blue Apron, I am becoming I want to say it, a chef. <laughs> I'm not just a cook. I'm not a cook. I'm becoming a chef. I mean, I, I promise you, I am amazed at the meals that these folks are sending us. I mean, Blue Apron is sending me meals that the, the best word for it is gourmet. Yep. It's packaged so amazingly. It comes right to my door. And then the instructions are so simple that literally I feel like a chef. Yeah, it's crazy because uh, Blue Apron, they make cooking so easy. And I, I'm telling you, I've thought before, what's my favorite restaurant? And now it, my, it's Blue my, Apron. My favorite, <laughs> Joey's Kitchen. My favorite food is from Blue Apron, and I make it. I mean, and it's less than $10 per meal. Oh, my I mean, it's gosh. It's just crazy, man. It's such mm-hmm. good stuff. Matt, you said you Here's were bummed out about something. Yeah, I got a problem with Blue Apron, and that's that I have to go on tour, <laughs> which I can't. I'm not able to cook on the bus. I was looking at it. Um, Bridget and I were meal planning, and looking at it. So next week I have to leave, and it's uh, spicy Korean chicken wings with rice cakes and baby bok choy, which is the best. Well, I have a, had a different wing. It was like an Asian wing thing they did before. It was one of my favorite meals. We baked the wings, and the chicken was so good. Like oh. just the wings that came were oh, so much better than the ones you buy in the grocery store. And then the sauce they made on it, I baked them right to the specific instructions, and they were crispy, and that was unbelievable. So I'm kind of irritated to have to go on tour and not be able to have access to my Blue Apron. I'm going to miss my favorite meal. And what's really cool is all these recipes are between like 500 to 700 calories per portion. So it, it's healthy. It's good. It's well-balanced. Everything about it is really awesome. We love Blue Apron. Right on. And right now, you can get your first two meals for free at blueapron.com slash badchristian. That's blueapron.com slash badchristian. What's your day been uh, like? <laughs> How's your walk? Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty boring. Uh, there's only so much you can do in a town of 900 people. So I came from New Orleans. I was in New Orleans for three years and then uh, moved over here a few months ago to be closer to some family. And it's been a uh, massive adjust- adjustment. Yeah, living, so you live in a small town in Tennessee. That I mean, so it's just boring, right? Is that what oh, it is? It's boring. People are flying Confederate flags everywhere you go. <laughs> I mean, it's literally like I, I walked through downtown earlier last week, and I was like just waiting on like Laura Ingalls or somebody to pop out <laughs> from around the corner. <laughs> New Orleans is a pretty progressive place. I mean, it's I, I, that's one thing I like about big big cities and progressive cities is you can just kind of fit in however you want to. You don't stick out. Oh my it's gosh, not as yeah. homogenous, you know. It's like No, it's not. And that's what I always told people. Yeah, that's what I told people I love the most about New Orleans. The city is just so weird in and of itself. You don't feel weird right. being there, like right. no matter who you are. It's but in awesome. Tennessee, everybody's pretty a lot of the same demographic. You would say it's, oh a, it's gosh, all yeah. one, it's it's, mainly one kind of person. Yeah, I mean, I know God loves them, but it's mm-hmm. it's pretty. <laughs> they're all it's it's what you would picture when you picture a small town in Middle Tennessee. <laughs> hey, Matt, real quick, let me just say this is um, just how how we do it, and we've kind of already started, but 
Um, anything that, that you say, um, that you just are like, uh, kind of wish I didn't say that. Like I, we just want you to be as, as loose as you possibly can and we can go back and edit anything. So okay. obviously I just want to give you that comfort level. Uh, cause I know originally you weren't even sure whether or not you wanted to, to come on here. So we appreciate you being yeah, on we here. Can we can edit anything, anything you ask. We've done it a million times. If there's something that you say like, yeah, hey, I just wish I wouldn't have said that that way or something, we'll just edit it out. So, and, and the reason we do that is just go, so you can feel completely comfortable in everything. You know what I mean? Okay, I appreciate so we wouldn't, that. We won't put anything out that you don't Yeah, and to. then it, is there anything – I mean, I, I think it's a remarkable topic just to uh, bounce around is, is that you are a Christian – uh, you and correct me if I'm wrong, but you orientate sexually to same gender, but you feel like that's a sin, so you're not acting on that. I think that's in itself a pretty interesting topic. Is that something that we can ask questions about? And that's oh yeah, absolutely. I'm an open book on all that stuff. Cool. So, so, so Matt, but, what I'd like to know what's the deal with we were going to do an interview and we did and it, you canceled it. <laughs> now you want to come back on? It's really really interesting. It was we get that sometimes with people. Well, we get we get people that drop off sometimes. We've talked about it. it happens all the time when somebody says they'll do an interview, and then we've had more than a few that just say, oh, "I don't think I'm actually going to do it," and they back out. And one of those was was that what you did, and then came back. What happened? Yeah, basically. I mean, I, I remember when you guys initially emailed my agent, and then emailed me, and she looked into it, and she was like, "Yeah, I really think like this is a good thing. You need to do that." They reach a lot of people kind of on the fringes. Mm-hmm. Um, and she knows that's my heart is to reach those people. Uh, but then like, I think it was literally like the day before I was supposed to <laughs> interview with you guys. <laughs> I looked at the website and then I saw like um, some podcast about oral sex or something <laughs> like that. And then immediately I, and I listened to like, like I clicked play and then like dragged it to like get the three minute mark. And I heard something and I was like, okay, I don't know if I can do this. And I, uh, my initial reaction was like, no, I can't do this interview because my, just because, I mean, a lot of mistakes that I've made personally, like, uh, you may have read if you research on me, like I got on grinder a few years ago. So like the liberal mm-hmm. media really like rung me through the mud with that. And so I have to be very careful about not only like what I communicate, but how I communicate it in the venues that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, talk through but um after looking into you guys more and then talking to my i called my agent and talked to her about it and she was like this is something that you really need to do you know to reach people who are not maybe running in your typical christian circles what do you so, want to reach them for what tell me more about that why who are you trying to reach well, real, for what real quick i do i do think it's noteworthy matt that um one one of the concrete things that matt's talking about when he looked into us you remember when toby went off on facebook talking about how he wanted to throw things at his neighbors and was looking at girls in their underwear and just pretty much came clean on facebook with all the stuff that he was dealing with and feeling distant from god and that sort of thing uh matt actually so when i say matt i'm talking about matt Moore right now for our listeners that may be Double confused M. with the two mats there you go <laughs> uh but he he actually was just kind of like man that's that's pretty crazy like that's that's something that he you know so it, that just made him rethink the interview because he was just like hmm. that's pretty cool that yeah that i mean that was that was the there. pivotal thing that changed my mind was i just i mean i i love transparency and authenticity and I saw that in that post, and I'm like, I don't care if their name is Bad Christian. I don't care if they talk about sex on podcasts. Like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> well, that's great. But when you say that about, you know, get, talk, talking to or reaching people on the fringes, I'd love to know what that means specifically to you. I think for me, um, 
I mean, I would say I five years ago before I became a Christian, I was definitely on the fringes. I, I had ideas in my mind of what um, Christianity was and what um, Jesus expected, or the biblical Jesus expected of me. Um, and, and those were things like I felt like I had to become straight to be a Christian. Um, I felt that if I really loved Jesus and was saved by him, then all my attractions toward men would just like disappear. Um, and that's kind of the impre- impression that I lived under up until I was 21 and then started, you know, reading the Bible for myself and exposing myself to more solid preaching and things like that. And um, so, I mean, I know that there are still a lot of people out there who are under the same misconceptions that I was under. Um, and so that's why I kind of, that's, I mean, that's really the whole reason that I blog and I write and I do interviews and things like that is just to communicate a message to them that I wish that I would have heard, you know, prior yeah. to being 21. Which is well, what? one question I want to ask just to, just to start out too is, is uh, I mean, what do you consider your sexuality? Where, where are you at with that? What do you, how do you line that up biblically or, or with your life or whatever? Where, where are you at with your sexuality? Cool. Toby is done with your question on that. That's <laughs> oh, okay. sorry, man. No problem. <laughs> well, you can, uh, we can go back. Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I am overwhelmingly attracted towards men. Um, I've experienced flickers of attraction towards women. Um, yeah, I read that recently. I, yeah, it, specifically one woman, um, not generally. Like, I don't go out into public and I'm, like, enamored by all the women. Like, I, that doesn't even register on my radar at all. Um, but there was one woman that I was emotionally attracted to and then started to develop physical attraction to her. Um, but that ended uh, a few months ago. But, oh, I mean, 99.999% of the time, any attraction that I feel sexually or emotionally uh, is toward men. So I, I am a Christian. I believe um, in Christ. I follow the biblical Christ. Um, I still am attracted towards men, though. Like, he has not healed me of that. I do believe that home, like ex- the expression of those desires, whether in, like, a monogamous um, relationship, same-gender relationship or just other homosexual behavior, I do believe it's sinful. And so I strive not to – I mean, I'm – definitely far from perfect but i strive not to act out on it and there you know there's some people that would hear you say that and would be pissed off for you because (laughs) because they would say that is crazy that a religion would actually keep you from being true to yourself keep you from experiencing sexual pleasure and all that stuff but what's even more troublesome to a christian that believes in the same way you believe is at this point there's a lot of christians that i truly believe are born again that are rethinking this whole deal. And I'm curious what you think about their scriptural arguments. I mean, they point to a lot of the New Testament lists of sin and say, you know, back in the day, that was talking about, you know, the crazy human trafficking or the, you know, Mm -hmm. men and little boys gangbanging. You know, it was just like totally, totally different stuff. I mean, have you read those strong arguments for, um, you know, the gay lifestyle not being a sin? Yeah, I mean, that's um, what theologians call that is revisionist theology. Yeah. Um, it's basically, you know, revisiting the scriptures that we have traditionally interpreted to condemn homosexual behavior um, and then, you know, interpreting them in a different way now, in a new light, in light of the new knowledge that we have about homosexuality. Um, I have read all those. It's one of the first things I did when I was converted um, because when I became a Christian, my I was very 
out and loud and proud about myself and my sexuality um, and very forthcoming about all of that prior to becoming a Christian. So when I became a Christian, it was pretty public, at least like on a local level where I lived. And then um, as I started to write, it became more public. And so I had people emailing me, like when Matthew Vines, um, who's a really nice guy, by the way, came out with that video. Um, gosh, I guess it was like in 2012, um, you know, about oh, yeah. his, his – uh, have you all heard of him? Do you all know who I'm talking yep. about? Yeah, I watched okay. that video. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. Um, but, you know, somebody sent me that video like, oh, you need to really watch this. It's going to completely blow your mind and all this thing, all this stuff. So I watched it. Um, and I, it wasn't the first time I heard of revisionist, the, revisionist theology. And I expected him to say something different than what I'd already read, but he didn't. He's just reiterating the same things that theologians have said ever since this stuff sprung up. Um, but mm. I really think what it boils down to is how we view the scriptures like do we view them really as inspired and you know penned by men but inspired by the holy spirit because i think to go to you know romans and first corinthians and say well paul didn't know that you know what homosexual monogamous relationships were he didn't have any concept for those um, so he wasn't referring to like a loving monogamous homosexual relationship. He was referring to, you know, um, molestation and like you said, sex trafficking and things like that. But if we if we believe that the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures, I mean, did God have no concept for that? I mean, I think right. it's arguable even from a historical perspective from other writings from that time that there was definitely a concept of monogamy and homosexual relationships. That wasn't like a new thing that Paul had no um just didn't even know about. Well, uh, let me throw I some. Think, up, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Let me Go throw ahead. some other classic arguments at you. Okay, well then, did did the Holy Spirit, um, you know, also write the passages about head coverings and women not speaking at church? I'm using all the arguments that I know would be thrown at you. Yeah, at how this is that point. not so revisionist? How do you, how do you deal to with... Go back with the head covering stuff. <laughs> Tattoos. Yeah, I mean, those are tough to answer, and I'm by no means a scholar. Um, But, you know, what what conservative and traditional theologians would say is that the head coverings and the women speaking in church was a a cultural matter of Mm -hmm. that time. Um, But I also understand, because I've heard, you know, people on the liberal side say, well, then why wasn't homosexuality, you know, a cultural thing at that time? So. I mean, that's my, my, my belief is that the head coverings and the women speaking in church was um, a cultural thing. I think that, you know, specifically like in First Corinthians, when the, I think in that context, women were basically just like getting it loud and out of control, like in the church. Um, and Paul was like, no, 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 and came down on that. Mm, all um, Nell Harper and stuff, man. They're right. getting crazy. <laughs> I, I kind of want to go back, Matt, and just just real quickly, like when did you? Because we, we, you know, we've heard all these uh, tons of stories before about uh, when somebody uh, first realized that they might be gay, and when when did you first realize? And then what was your family like? Were they conservative? Were they con- Christian? What what was that like? And when did you first realize? Um, I first put that word to my experience when I was. I think I was seven. Uh, it was whenever whenever uh, Ellen DeGeneres came out on TV. She, uh, you know, I, th- I think it was six or seven. It was like 1997 or 98. Um, I was sitting in the living room with my stepmother, and she came out. It was a news coverage on her coming out as gay. And the only way that I had 
had any familiarity with that term was when we would use it at school to refer to something as like stupid or cheesy. So that's why I thought she was saying she was stupid and making fun of herself. So I was like laughing at her and my stepmom was, she had a puzzled look on her face and basically didn't say anything. And then when my dad got home, um, he explained to me what, you know, homosexuality was and how some men like men instead of how they're supposed to like women and how some women like women instead of how they're supposed to like men. And that was the first time like it clicked in my mind. It's like, that's me. Like I, I have wow. crushes on boys instead of girls. And the tone in my dad's voice was made it very clear to me that this was like not acceptable. And it was something that he totally hated. Um, so, I mean, at that point I was like, okay, I'm gay and I definitely can't tell anybody. That damn Ellen. She calls you and hundreds of thousands of people to be gay. <laughs> I love Ellen. I think she's hilarious and amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I, I love her show, and I, I, th- I actually think she's the number one thing where every Christian has to question, like, oh, how big of a, of a jerk could I be to her? Like, you know, you know what I mean? like, seriously, like, she's so funny, so nice, so welcoming, and all that stuff. So that 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 is what I actually think about that. Like, she's the best. <laughs> possible gay person in the world like, like really there couldn't is. be a better i mean you're awesome don't give me <laughs> but, but, but like she's funny. just <laughs> she's well, the best okay like, so you know you can't like her i don't uh I, I love thinking through this stuff i don't have i don't even know if i feel as strong as you do about it matt um which is uh-huh. probably fine because i'm not forced to uh in the same way that you are but are i don't even understand sometimes all the terminology are you gay um If I was having a conversation with somebody outside of the church who doesn't know all the same-sex attraction, homosexual behavior, like, verbiage, then I would say, yes, I'm gay. Uh Um, But among other Christians and in the context of the church, I choose not to use that terminology because it tends to just – I try to be careful with what words I used um, in whatever situation I'm in because they tend to miscommunicate all sorts Mm -hmm. of things. Like if I were to say to somebody outside of the church that I'm not gay, then what I'm communicating is that I'm not attracted to men. But if I tell somebody inside the church that I am gay, well, what I'm saying to them is that I love these desires and I act out on them and I don't see anything Hmm. wrong with them. Well, is it? It depends on what circles I'm in. Is my position. What does that mean about my position to you that I don't really – is it privilege? Do I have straight privilege that I don't have to really necessarily think through it or have that strong of a point of view about it, whether the revisionist, as you call them, or the others, or the more conservative or traditionalist are right about what you can and can't do and what we may or may not be getting wrong? Is that just my straight privilege that I don't have to even totally nail that down? Well, I mean, I wouldn't call it straight privilege, but, I mean, I do think – I mean, obviously, like I – I haven't thought through all the head covering and women talking in church things because I'm not a woman. So I don't know if Mm -hmm. that's man privilege or what. (laughs) Um, But I think it's important for every Christian to really dive into this and to study and to, you know, form a position on this because it's such a culturally relevant topic. Um, I mean, whenever, especially when I was in New Orleans, I moved to New Orleans for to be a part of a church planting team. Anytime I would meet people and befriend them and we started to talk about spiritual things or Christianity without them even knowing my back history, one of the very first things that we would talk about is gay people or mm-hmm. homosexuality. Just and it always church. comes up. It always comes up. So I think it's kind of like, well, if you want to engage really in any type of conversation with people, I think you need to have you know a position on it. 
I like when my position to be that I'm confused about it and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> both well, ways. you're among many. A lot of people are confused. <laughs> yeah, I think I think where I'm at, and uh, you you get a kick out of this. We had. Do you, have you heard of Jennifer Knapp? Do you know who she is? Yeah, that Christ, she was a Christian singer. I think. Yeah, and she's come out of the closet, and she's you know she claims uh, to be a Christian as well, and and the three of us definitely validate. I mean, of course, uh, you you don't have to say the word claims there just because right, right. I'm just saying that's how that's how a lot of people <laughs> would, would see that, yeah. and uh, you know I, how she's talking. I'm like, yes, she is my sister in Christ, and I actually told her that. I just want to be honest. I said, you know, where I'm at right now, I think that. That's that's a sin uh, to act on that, and uh, people after that episode accused us for not being too hard on her. <laughs> I was like, we were oh, wow. like, good lord, what do you what do you want us to do? Like call her really bad names or something? So, but I, I am here's here's where my confusion lies is, and and I it, maybe it's, this isn't where my mind needs to go, but it's just like we're so fine as a church to. Uh, dismiss the the fat pastor or the woman, uh, or, or we always say women's women are the gossipers, but the dude that's gossiping all the time, or the the girl at, at small group that says, you know what, I'm just a worrier. I mean, I just worry all the time. I can't help it. I mean, just made I, that way. Yeah, I'm just made that way, and uh, no one bats an eye. We're just like, yeah, everybody has struggles, but then if someone that's gay says, you know what, this is my struggle, and um, you know, this is just who I am. It's a totally different story. And uh, to me, it's just well, like, it's different hey, listen, to call it a least... struggle or not, though, right? That's still yeah, the difference. That's... Some people say, yes, this is my struggle. And some people say, yeah, I am this way. I just, I have to gossip. I have to be this way, but it's okay. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah. I, I, th- I just think there's a big difference in, in saying, I have this propensity, but I believe it's wrong. And saying, I have this propensity and I believe it's all right. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I think that's the that would be the key thing for I, me. I just there's something yeah. I still can't understand really, and that's okay. If you flipped it around, and I had ninety not flipped it around, but just from my point of view, you had ninety nine point nine percent attraction to a certain thing in a way that I felt like I was at a core identity that was one of the most powerful uh, instinctual desires possible for me, and there was a seem a legitimate version of Christianity that condoned that thing, I would probably make choose that way. Right? I mean, I would. Yeah, you, you and a lot of other people. I mean, I don't, I don't even understand, <laughs> and part of me thinks, well, maybe eventually you'll just change still, because I don't see how you could last with such strong desires mathematically over time and not eventually go, well... This other version really might be because I that's the way I feel about. It. I think those other people could be right. I mean, you call them revisionists, but maybe maybe they're right. I don't know. So if so, and I had ninety nine point nine stock in the other camp, I, I'm pretty sure I would be on their side. Yeah, and I think that's. I mean, that's how that the logic that a lot of people use, and I think it's what a lot of people whom I know, and some people even in my family who have drifted from, you know, where my position on biblical sexuality. Over to now this other more liberal position that you know allows for uh, monogamous same-sex relationships. But as for me, I mean, right now, I've, and it's not like I've been doing it, you know, forever. I've only been a believer entering now into my sixth year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just I look to the Bible to define what is right and what is wrong morally, rather than looking to Christianity or to the idea of Christianity or to the church and what the church is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I just, I don't look to them to define my beliefs. I look to the Bible to define my beliefs. And so as of now, I still totally believe with all my heart that the Bible condemns homosexual behavior. And not only that, but I, yes, like I'm attracted to men 99.999% for sure. But like what changed five years ago and is progressively changing and growing stronger is that like the driving force and passion of my life is not sex. It's not romance. It's not human relational fulfillment as important as those things are. And I don't mean to diminish them because they're powerful. Um, but those aren't the driving things of my life. Like the driving passion of my life is Christ. And, and yeah. I believe in order to live faithfully in communion with him, I have to flee from sin. Um, I don't flee from it perfectly. I mean, I fell into pornography, homosexual pornography like 48 hours ago. I definitely don't do it perfectly, but I'm striving day after day, you know, to be in faithful communion with him. Wow. What you, what did you call it? Homo, gay porn. What is it called? Yeah. Homosexual. Homosexual pornography. pornography. Yeah. <laughs> Four, 48 hours ago before this interview. Yeah, I mean Sunday night. Well, thank you for night. thank you for saying that on the show. Yeah, that's hardcore, that. man. You're you're pretty. Well, I feel like that's, everybody's that's doing it. I mean, I feel like yeah. everybody <laughs> in the conservative church is. I mean, not happily doing it. I think they're in, most of them are in torment over it. And what? week after week, they're struggling with porn, but we just all pretend. I mean, we all say, well, it's a struggle for all men, but we don't define like I struggled with it on Saturday, you yeah. know. And so I just feel like it's important to. Be honest. The, the the actual present tense of that is what is very powerful to like people listening right now, and what is needed in the world because this is a like like you said this isn't something where you wake up and all of a sudden are completely redeemed and you're going to marry an awesome girl and everything's going to be okay. Like this is a a real thing that you personally go through, and and that's what I I kind of I, w- I I really like what you're saying here because it puts the more human side on it because like like seriously growing up i'm in south carolina and growing up in the south it's just i didn't know any gay people and if so it was not talked about or even expressed and it was just some weird perversion that was messed up and and wrong and wrong and you stay away from and those are the people and 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 all along i'm like wait a minute hold on the there has to be a little bit more to this, right? Like this is a human being and they're trying to figure out the world just like me and I'm making mistakes and they're making mistakes. So regardless of what we believe, we can start at being human beings and and going there. So that's what I really appreciate about this is this is a present day thing that you think about, seek God about, question about, figure, maybe, I, I don't even know, maybe sometimes you're even like, why me, Lord, or whatever. I know I am with certain things in my life. So I think that's really awesome just to be yeah, here at this point where we can have this conversation. Yeah. I mean, and we don't apply the whole healing instantaneous healing concept to every other sin, you know, that Christians right. struggle yeah. with and yeah. we don't wake up. We don't believe in Jesus and wake up the next morning and we're totally redeemed and glorified and want nothing but to love the Lord with all our hearts all the time. Like that's not a true representation of the Christian experience. Like the Christian experience is more hell than heaven a lot of days and it's hard and it's rough you know will you tell us about your grinder yeah, thing like, like, that you said hold on, second. On, hold on on that point though it's you're exactly right like nobody goes yeah i mean he's just a little confused he's not really an alcoholic you know, <laughs> you know I mean? he just doesn't totally see he's not really an alcoholic yeah i mean there's alcohol out there he's not really an alcoholic it, it, that's just messed up he, wrong thinking there or whatever that might be what i'm saying is the things that and I don't even personally like even considering that because I, I think maybe 
I'm like Matt, what you were saying earlier, I'm kind of on the fence here, man. Like, and even on a more personal side, like, uh, and Matt, sorry if I'm interrupting your question no here, but like, like in a real sense, what does this mean for a connection with another person and being in love for you? Like, where are you at with that? Like, that is a huge thing for me. I, I am a, a complete, I, I'm really am obnoxious, kind of a jerky person in, in so many ways, but amen. I haven't, I, amen. I, amen. But I have a real, <laughs> for some reason, I've been cursed, I believe, with some kind of like empathy or, or a sympathy for people that is just uh, like, I can't stop it. And like, when, when you say five years ago, you realized this and now you think that, uh, you know, a relationship with a man, you know, even romantic, potentially, obviously sexual, or whatever, is wrong. Where where are you at as just a human and just wanting to be in love and and wanting to have those feelings that like I have for my wife? Uh, wh- where are you at with those those thoughts? Um, I mean, it's definitely like I said, the main passion in my life is Christ, but that doesn't mean that those other desires are not present. And then just to answer the other question, two birds with one stone, the grinder thing in two thousand and thirteen. It's a perfect example. Um. I mean, I, I was on Grinder. I had my Facebook picture on there. So, I mean, I was in a really rough place, and I, I really um, just I, – honestly, the whole sphere of my life, I don't care what people think of me. <laughs> um, and so I didn't care. I was like, I'm going to get on Grinder, and I don't care who sees that I'm on there, which was dumb, but I did it. Um, and then I was caught, and somebody screenshotted in the um, – the screenshot of the grinder profile to Huffington post. And then it was just all craziness There you go. <laughs> um, from there on out. But what the media didn't know and still doesn't know, although I've been very public about it on my blog is at, about a month after that happened. I mean, I, I really, I told in an interview with a Christian post that I was, I was repentant. I was remorseful. I viewed homosexual behavior and relationships still as sinful. Um, and I was striving to, turn away from those. And that's true. Like that was the position of my heart. But like a month later I met, I got back on grinder and I met a guy on there and we became friends on Facebook. And then I eventually like met up in person. And then like, I I fell head over heels like for this guy and over the period of about like a month. And um, he knew of everything that I was, you know, working through spiritually. And um, he was very like supportive and patient and, Uh, didn't make me feel crazy. Um, but I was also, I wasn't, I was in, uh, I would just, I had just moved to new Orleans and, um, my pastor was my best friend. He's only like four years older than me. I was also very transparent about all of this with him because I was kind of at an identity crisis. I was like, am I going to continue following Christ in the way that I believe is orthodox biblically or, am I either going to just reject Christianity or jump into this other more affirming version of Christianity? Mm -hmm. Um, And I was really, I had no idea from hour to hour every day. I had no idea which way I was going to go. Eventually I did decide to break it off with that guy and to, and it was literally the hardest thing that I've ever done. Um, But it also, that moment of repentance and deciding, um, at an even deeper level than I think I'd decided before to follow Jesus um, just ushered me into just an incredible freedom and joy in Jesus that I had never experienced before. Wow. Um, So, I mean, I look back and it was a painful sacrifice, but like the joy that I got in Christ so outweighed the pain. 
This is interesting because well, I'm telling you, the way I listen to these stories, and I'm certain the way that listeners do, they hear points, but I think in this day and age, what everybody's really listening for is, do I believe this guy? Is this person full of shit? Is this a politician? <laughs> are they selling something? Like, what is going on here? What is this person? I think that's the way that people are hearing people, and that's why I love this job. I love doing this podcast because that's where, where I'm at right now. I'm listening to you. I'm really engaged. I'm thinking... Is he believing this? Is he tr- is he insecure? Is he secure? And the amount of details you're disclosing <laughs> are way strongly to the point of view that you are secure in what you believe and what you think and that it's not bullshit. That's what I'm hearing. And I don't even know if I understand it all or agree with it, but that's kind of what I'm picking up. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, let me throw some uh, comparisons that people make and, uh, you know, Christians... Like, let me, let me describe my wife real quick. So she... This is a a touchy subject for her. I would say she's way on the fence, if not because she is a lesbian, right? All right, I'm mar- I'm married a lesbian. <laughs> now, she she definitely this has been probably the hardest issue for her to uh, walk with as a Christian. It just bothers her that this could be a sin, and I think she may lean more towards maybe it's not. Maybe we're we're getting something wrong, but it just infuriates her when she hears stuff like this, where. To me, I'm like, well, let me, I'm going to put this in your hands. You you deal with it. But what about the dude that says, hey, man, when I went to college, there's all sorts of beautiful women. I wanted to have sex with them, but I couldn't. I'm a Christian. I didn't have sex with them. So, hey, the gay guy, he wants to have sex with men. He shouldn't do that either. It's the same thing. How do you hear that? Uh, it's just ignorant. I mean, yeah. it's not the same thing. I mean, in one instance, you're telling a person, say you've got a guy, Joe, who's attracted to women. Well, like, yeah, the Bible says that, Joe, you should not have sex with a woman until you're married in a biblical sense. But then you tell somebody like me, I, I, I cannot, I mean, legally, I could get married in the U.S. now. But like in a biblical sense, according to my convictions, I cannot get married and ever enjoy that. So, right. I mean, unless I like some girl drops out of heaven that I'm just magically attracted to, which I don't see happening. It could, I've seen it happen with other people, but I don't anticipate it. I'm not going to be able to ever enjoy that. Um, so it's totally different. I mean, the, the, the biblical demands on a heterosexual person are, you know, keep it in your pants until you get married. And the biblical demand on a, homosexually oriented person is keep it in your pants until you die Forever. or Jesus yeah. comes back. All right. So yeah. here's another one. What about the person that says, well, it's an, it's an unnatural desire. Um, if we start accepting this as Christians, then what's morally wrong with a 30 year old dude, uh, hooking up with a 12 year old boy? Oh, like why? And you know, obviously, obviously there's an organization, I think Mambla that says, Hey, why, why is that even wrong? Yeah, I mean, to the defense of the Christian that uses the very poor example, I understand the slippery slope mentality. It's like, well, if we, you know, like, okay, for example, what I would say is, okay, well, if we're no longer taking what the Bible says literally on homosexuality, then why should we take what the Bible says literally on Jesus for salvation? Like, how can we really bank on anything that the Bible says if we've had it wrong this whole time and it really doesn't say what it says or we really don't know? Um, and then as far as comparing, um, uh, you know, homosexuality to that, I mean, that's, it's, it's not the same. I mean, it, yeah, that's in a homosexual... Dumb. 
Yeah, I mean, in a homosexual relationship, I my belief is yes, you are wildly sinning against God and right. yourself. Um, but I wouldn't say that you're physically like harming another person. I mean, even our yeah. our society, which is largely secular, would look at you know the molestation of a, a small child and say that like that is wrong. It's not right. hinging so on the least, Bible that we don't molest children. Essentially, yeah, I mean that's, that's not just why we don't moral. molest children. You don't need the Bible for that. The Bible also right. says don't do it if you read it, but right. that's not what we. So what if? What if, what if Matt Moore um, had you know? You, let's say you've known this. Uh, how, how old were you when you said that you figured out you were attracted to guys? I, I think I was seven, six. All or right, seven. so. So let's say 22-year-old Matt Moore is just like, man, I've got to figure this out. And if I could just marry a woman and just lock myself into that, you know, block out my, you know, gay feelings, I can make this work. So you're married to a girl. You realize two years into it, man, this was a mistake. I shouldn't have done this. That situation I just described has happened before. What would you say when you're sitting across from a guy that's just like, dude, I'm married to a woman. I'm destroying her life. Um, my, you know, my kids, they, they know there's something wrong. I mean, how would you walk someone through that? Um, if they were a Christian, I mean, I would definitely, this is just going to sound like stereotypical Christianese, but I would say for better or for worse, like this is yeah. a covenant, like whatever gar- garbage you're bringing, like if it wasn't this, you'd be bringing some other garbage into the relationship. And on it, I mean, obviously you're physically capable of having intercourse with this woman because you have right. little kids running around, right. you know? So, I mean, it, if it wasn't this, you'd be struggling with pornography. I mean, it would be, it would be something. So I would say for better or for worse, but at the same time, I would say that was massively unfair to the woman for him to enter into that uh, um, so, secretly So, so mathematically, you, you'd say for somebody that's 99.9% attracted to men that it's not fair or right to even try to engage with a woman that way. Not unless that there is some sort of like God-given attraction. I would say if there is no attraction there whatsoever and you're basically, you know, faking it till you make it like you just you need to stop and you need to i feel like that's sin like i feel you need to repent because you're being dishonest with this other person who is growing emotionally invested in you and in the relationship Um, and it's i feel that's that's wrong Hmm. so you're constant i mean would you say that you're constantly uh i would say this is a probably a very a messed up misconception. I think a lot of people are just like, well, I mean, if, if, if someone's gay, then they shouldn't be in a locker room with other dudes and all that stuff. But, um, like if I am, let's say I'm in the workforce and I remember when I was a school teacher and I worked with like three other females, like, sure. I I would say there has to be a somewhat of a place to where I'm guarding my heart. I'm a married guy. You know, let's say, uh, one of the girls is attractive and we're spending a lot of time with each other because of our job and stuff. I'm constantly having to, you know, be on the watch, guard my heart sort of thing. I mean, so when a guy gets to know you, I mean, would you say you're constantly on guard from other guys or would, if you're sitting down from a guy, would you know right away, yeah, this is someone that I would never be attracted to. So I don't even have to worry about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on the situation and on the person. I mean, um, 
most Christian guys, I don't know if it's just because Christian guys aren't very attractive. I don't know what it is, but most <laughs> of the Christian guys that I've connected with in the church, like there's absolutely like zero, uh, there's nothing there at all. Take that, uh, Christian guys. <laughs> Sinners are so damn hot. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say, I'm trying to think if there's even been an example of where I've you know, sort of, I mean, I've been friends with, okay, I, for, I'm a full-time writer now. I started that in February, but for the eight years before that, I was a personal trainer and a gym manager. Um, so I was like around really attractive people all the time. Um, and so I had a lot of, I've always had more unchristian, non-Christian friends than Christian friends. And so I had a lot of, you know, guy friends in my gyms who I was very, you know, physically attracted to. Yeah. And, um, I really, I did have to guard myself because I found myself like not only feeling physically attracted, but then beginning to get overly emotionally involved, like in the friendship and in the relationship. Um, so it is a struggle, like depending on the person and what what they look like. (laughs) Yeah. I know if you were sitting uh, across from Toby, you would have no problems at all. Yeah, <laughs> you, would, you would be super close to him, and you would not feel yeah. anything. So. Us three guys would are are the are the key to making people all straight, <laughs> no matter what, men and women. So when you're not, oh, 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 go ahead, Toby. I, I, uh, so I I kind of want to 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 ask you a question, and I think this probably even probably will sound ignorant, and and so I want to preface with that, and I want if you don't want to answer this question, you don't have to, but when you say um, I am attracted to men. And, and so to, to me, I go, okay, is that just, uh, a physical thing? And, and so meaning maybe I'm just physically attracted to women. And if, uh, if there was a dude that I really liked, like a uh, personality and he was a woman, maybe I would have married him or something. Is that, is that when you say you are physically attracted to men, do you, are you able to separate like is it is it is it the whole package is it the the masculinity is it the personality is it the testosterone is it all those things when you say i actually am attracted to a man what what how do you explain that or or yeah, what is I that mean, to would, you yeah it's definitely not just physical i mean it's it's the full package like i am attracted um emotionally, um, to men. And, and, uh, I don't know if it's, I, I'm not attracted to like more effeminate men. So I guess it is like a masculinity thing, um, to maybe, I really don't know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I definitely, it's an, it's just as emotional as it is physical. That's hardcore, man. I mean, that really is, it's, it's, uh, I mean, you probably don't like people saying, man, you poor thing, but like, it's seriously, it's like, as your brother in Christ, I'm just like, man, you, you actually do carry something that I, I don't, I can't relate to. But, and here's where I'd like to go with this too. Like, okay. And I want to ask this, not just a Matt, but our Matt and our Joey and even me, but oh, thanks and, for and Matt Moore me, as well. Thanks. But okay. Where, where are you guys at with, here's where I am. And I'll start with this and see what you guys think. If Matt said, you know what? I'm going just to do this. I, I I want to be in love. I'm attracted to men, so I'm going to be in a relationship with a man. Which I know someone who right is nailing that. And, and um, I would say to me that just in no way disqualifies him from heaven and eternity and and Christ's redemption and love and all that stuff. That that is where I'm at. If if Matt is saying I need Jesus in my life. I, this thing I don't know about because I have so many things in my life that are that way. Where I, I, where, I mean, there are so many sins that I have uh, that I don't even know about that I wouldn't even call a sin. 
I mean, seriously, daily, there are things that I'm doing to this world, to other nations, to other people, well, like to my family, to everybody that I'm just like, yeah, I, I just don't think that's wrong. What I'm doing, I'm just trying to figure out this world. So, where, well, like Matt Carter said in another episode, that uh, people in the 1700s, Christians were being sanctified and they died being slave owners. Right, exactly. I mean, there were. 100% the most sold-out Christians in the world who were slave owners throughout the Bible, throughout America, throughout all these things, and they were wrong, yeah. dead wrong. And so that that is where, like, I guess my empathy and, and just my feeling of, like, man, I I guess I that is where it's tough. And that must be uh, – that's the question I was going to ask you, too. Uh, uh, well, let's answer this question first. Where, do you, where are you guys on that? Like, do you think – I, I guess I don't think in any way sexuality disqualifies you from heaven. Oh, I sure. just don't. I mean, that's that's what I said. For about sure, it. most people, uh, most Christians think the opposite of that. Well, that's what I said about Jennifer Knapp. You heard her. We, we're talking to our Christian sister in Christ. I mean, right. it's just something to when you're talking to another Christian, there's this mutual understanding. You get each other. You're hearing, you know, this. It's And so, yeah, that her sexuality did not make me doubt that. Now, the Christian argument would be, if Matt Moore has the Holy Spirit inside of him, he would not be able to just continue that indefinitely because the Holy Spirit would convict him. Right. Now, I, and we well, could come up with many I always examples say to where is, I believe the Christian life, all Christian lives, include unrepentant sin until you die. I believe that. Yeah. And so, for instance, in this in, at this time, it may be conflict minerals or uh, the world's poverty or treatment, ethical treatment of an, animals and factory farming. Those things we might look, be looked at as monsters in the future that we all lived unrepentantly of our whole life, and that wouldn't disqualify us from any share of God's kingdom. Yeah, I, I would – I'll say this. I used to would say absolutely – not like you cannot be you cannot practice homosexuality um you know without remorse and be a christian um i've since evolved on that especially after i practiced homosexuality without remorse and was a christian in 2013 i mean i would have i think that i do believe that if the holy spirit is inside of you you are convicted of sin um, I, but I don't believe that always means you respond to that conviction or you're even honest about that conviction with yeah. other people on a surface level. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, I, I am very, not even hesitant. I just will not judge another person's, the state of their soul. Yeah. So you can uh, work closely with in a brother way or at church way or church planting with a monogamous Christian, uh, homosexual couple. Or no. no, he didn't say that dog. No, I'm asking. No, that's what I'm asking. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what I would say is. I would never say that they're not saved. I, I, you can't, this right. is cliche, but you can't judge somebody by just like a single season of their life. Right. Um, mm-hmm. If somebody would have done that to me in 2013, I would have been totally damned and unregenerate. Um, but I wasn't. Like I did know the Lord and I was struggling. So I don't think you can judge somebody by a season of their life and what they're doing with any particular sin in that season. But I do think it is biblical um, one for the church to exercise discipline, um, like in First Corinthians, excluding the sexually immoral man from the congregation. Um, I think it's like two again in First Corinthians when Paul says, "Do not fellowship with somebody who bears the name of a brother but is actively sexually immoral without remorse." Wow. So I would not be able to have. That doesn't mean I couldn't be around somebody, but I could not have like fellowship with somebody which is different than just yeah. friendship or just communication um somebody doing that so you um, could would I, or I wouldn't would, go to a gay christian wedding oh uh, gosh 
I don't Damn, know. Matt. Again, on that, I used to would say no, but now I don't know. I would definitely be vocal. And that's if I had a friend who... Like you I, would shout during the ceremony and say, this is wrong. <laughs> that's exactly what I would do. Um, <laughs> I would be vocal with them that while I cannot say that they're not saved, I can say this is not how the Bible describes a life of following Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I do think your soul is in danger. I think that really that's the extent of what I can say is I, I believe based on what I see in the Bible, that your soul is in danger and that you need to repent. And I'm here to walk with you if you decide to repent, but I'm also here to love you. Even if you don't, that doesn't mean that I can say in a good conscience, we can have fellowship. Um, but I can love you and I can be your friend. I mean, I have a family member when I was converted, uh, my entire family was, I mean, they were really on, you know, my side, whatever that is, um, as far as homosexual behavior goes. But then um, a family member of mine who was my age came out about two years later. Um, and I, I had already known he had been struggling because he had told me whenever I was, you know, out and gay or whatever. And whenever he converted, um, all of my family, except for my dad and my grandmother, sh- shifted their position over to like you know the affirming uh, side. Yeah. So with him, I've I mean I've made it clear like I don't believe that you are faithfully following Jesus. There's a difference between struggling with sin and embracing it. And I would say I'm not going to say you're not saved. But I'm going to say right now in this season, in this aspect of your life, like you're not, I don't believe you're surrendering it to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like your soul's in danger because of that. I feel like if you continue on this way, you will continually harden your heart against the spirit. And hmm. who knows, you may even end up rejecting Jesus like in totality. Um, and, and, I, and I would also say that if somebody believes that, you can faithfully follow Jesus while embracing and practicing um, whatever sin it is without struggling against it. I would say you're not following the biblical Jesus, like any, any Jesus that would affirm you in your sin. I don't believe is the biblical Jesus Um, on the flip side. I think Jesus is totally beyond our wildest dreams, merciful towards people who may be sinning every minute, but don't want to, and they hate it. And it's a constant struggle. I believe like the grace for those people never ends. And like, that does not disqualify you in any way whatsoever in any universe from union with Christ and from salvation. But I think if you believe Jesus sits on his throne and says, you know, I think it's just okay that you're, you know, dating this guy and you're going to marry this guy. I don't think that that is the biblical Jesus. How many, like, uh, often do you run into gay people just like, you S-O-B? I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) You are gay and you're doing this. I mean, I get it. You know, the Bill O'Reilly's and the Fox News's and the Christian right and all that. But, I mean, you Matt, come on, man. You know what I'm going through. Like, does that happen to you a lot? Uh, yeah, not so much in person as it does like through email and Facebook messages. I mean, it did when I was in Shreveport, which is where I'm from, North Louisiana. Um, and I was, you know, converted in that city. I would run into people, um, in public who they were never like vocally mean or anything like that, but with their body language and, uh, the way they spoke to me, it was very, uh, they were not happy with me. What do you (laughs) do about all the, you know, the, the failure or, or I don't really know. I'm sure you know more about it than me than the 
Exodus ministry and the gay conversion uh, therapy <laughs> failure rates and associated suicides and, and damage that that seem that it is reported or seems that those things do. Is that am I, is yeah. that a misperception? Um, I think to a degree it is. I really was on board with the direction the Exodus began to go in uh, 2012, 2011. Um, whenever my friend Julie Rogers, um, she, but you know, kind of got on board with them, and they started. They started to say, our approach, our single approach, is no longer. We want to convert you to heterosexuality and uh-huh. you know, get you in a good marriage. Like that's not our approach. Like we totally believe, based on what the Bible says about the Christian experience, and through our experience with you know the thousands of people that have gone through this program that there are a vast majority of people who never develop attraction for the opposite gender and then do not get married. So our goal is no longer to get people into marriages, but to help people follow Jesus faithfully Mm -hmm. um, in in a biblical sexual ethic. And that's where they started to go. But then they just kind of went like a whole hyper grace route where they were like, you know, now we believe, that anybody can just be in sin happily and Jesus is okay with it. Hmm. And I would say, no, I don't think that's the biblical definition. Well, I certainly don't Uh, want any of that on my hands where I'm trying to convert people. Maybe I've got it wrong. And meanwhile, I'm shaming them into suicide and self. Yeah. That's scary, right? I don't want any. I'm just going to stay out of it. Yeah. I'm not opposed to, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, that God cannot give somebody who is 99.9% homosexually attracted a genuine affection and attraction for the opposite gender because I began to experience that myself last year with one specific woman. So I think that that can happen. But I don't think that that happens through psychoanalytic exercises and therapy and figuring out, well, my dad yelled at me when I was three on November the 4th and I need to go rectify that situation and get him to apologize and then I'll be attracted to women. Like I don't think that that's the way that that works. I think genuine change um, in any aspect of our lives comes through the power of God, the transforming power of God. And he dishes that out however he wants to. Um, So we can't place a formula and say, if you do these things, you're going to become straight or you're never going to want to drink rum and Coke ever again. Um, I think it's, it's up to God how he does that. And we just need to seek him and focus on him. So I'm not a proponent of conversion conversion therapy. therapy, Okay. I have a phone call next week with um, Ann Polk, who is the president of, Restored Hope Network, which is like the new version of Exodus. Um, they're slightly yeah. more biblical, I think, than Exodus ever was. Um, but just to talk with her through those things, because, I mean, I have a lot of people come through my website who are intensely struggling with this. They do not want to embrace their desires, but, like, they just don't even know how to follow Jesus in light of their desires. And their church is not supportive, and they cannot find anybody in their life was supportive. And so, I mean, I think in my mind of these ministries that are designated for this, but at the same time, I am so afraid of sending somebody through the doors of a place that is going to promise them they're going to become straight. And then they come out and they didn't become straight. And now they're more depressed than they ever were before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I have a conversation with her about that. Cause I told her, like, I want to be able to refer people over to ministries um, for help, um, but I'm not going to send them through the doors of any places. It's going to give them false hope or shame. 
Well, somebody. I would say uh, a few things here. One, um, no matter what happens in your life, I, I really do. I, I think it, there is a part of me that is like, wow, this is amazing that you amazing in a way that is uh, unimaginable to, to me. You get to wake up every day and immediately go, well, I need God. <laughs> like, I mean, your, 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 your lifestyle and all this stuff, like I, I am lazy and uh, easily heterosexual, American, uh, white, all the easiest things that you could be in the Shelby, history of the world. You're not white. <laughs> no, I am. But I mean, just the easiest possible humanity that you could live is, is Toby Morrell. And, and I mean, like I... Like my, my sin is all all the the I'm even stupid enough to have the the silly sins of, of just of just ignorant lazy sins that I have and so there is something beautiful to me where you wake up and you go God and you talk to God and you and you figure out what in the world is going on in your life with this like that there is some beauty in that where you believe what you say so much that it truly impacts every single day where there are days where I can go honestly, sometimes without God and not even think about it, not read my Bible, not seek God. My life is so good and so protected and so not challenged for being right or wrong that I, that I don't even have that. That's I, t- I try to tell people all the time, like my, my life is really not consumed with homosexuality. I mean, when I write about it and I speak at places about it and I do interviews like this, like, yeah, like my mind is in that gear. Um, but generally the whole sum of my life is not consumed by the struggle. Yeah. I mean, and, and my, um, church in, especially in new Orleans, uh, which was a church plant from my church in Shreveport. I mean, we're just radically supportive of me and, and it was an amazing experience. And they knew that I was not a homosexual struggling Christian. Like I was just Matt and I was a Christian that struggled with a yeah. lot of other things, really a lot worse than I struggled with homosexuality. Well, Matt, thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate the insight you give us and the f- being able to put ourselves in your shoes a little bit. My favorite thing still being that I hear you talking about the different positions that you've had over the years. And I always think that's a mark of somebody who's doing stuff right because they're changing their opinion in light of evidence and what they see and what they learn and what the spirit guides and everything. So I think that's really interesting. You know, not that you flip flop all these crazy ways, but there are tweaks in the way you see this and receive it and and see other people. And I'd say that listening to you and hearing other people's points of views is certainly that way for me. So thank you for sharing your point of view. It's it's valuable. Thank you all for having me. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, this was great, man. Honestly, too, thank you for being so open and honest and forthcoming and just real. We really do appreciate it for sure. Uh, it's no problem at all. Hey, how can people find you online? And you said that you know you're writing for a living. Is that does that uh, go outside of blogs? Do you have um, books and all that stuff? Uh, my first book is in the process of publishing. It's like three different publishing houses are looking at the manuscript and deciding what they want to do and if they want to make an offer. So that's in the works, but not present. Uh, right now I'm just blblogging and trying to, you know, write resources and stuff like that for people. Yeah. Um, You're a good writer, man. Website. Where do people go? Uh, my website is moremat.org, M-O-O-R-E-M-A-T-T.org. Great. Sweet. Go to moremat.org. Uh, super good stuff, man. We appreciate it. All right, man, Matt Moore, what a good interview. A great man. Great I, I love that interview. Right I love, I, I mean, I thought, I didn't know what, how far we would go, what we'd talk about, but just to be so open and honest yeah. and 
It really does make me feel for the guy. Like I feel like he's right in the middle of two sides that are just polar opposites yeah. almost, and like he's just caught right in the middle in both worlds. Yeah, and that's well, just it crazy. falls in that category of well, let's see, what benefit would it? What benefit does it really have somebody to hold such a position? And honestly, not there's not much to gain either way as far as like if you were suspicious of him or thought he was a clown or bad or, or doing something wrong. He's chosen what seems to be the most difficult of positions to be in and is pretty forthright about it. So I think that gives some credibility to, to that position. Well, I'll say this. I'll, I'll brag on the four of us, including Matt Moore. The conversation we just had is what the church needs to be doing more of. And there are definitely people that are wising up to that, but it's just not enough. I mean, this is something that's just not being talked about in a healthy way. So get on with it. Well, just like Matt Moore, the one thing that he was about is the truth, and that's what I'm about. I think that's why I liked it so much. Somebody that's, that cares about the truth as much as me. Can you just start your news? Like, uh, I, we don't need this. <laughs> what are you talking about? We, just, we don't need this intro. Your voice is seriously <laughs> yeah, what, leading let's, people let's away stop there. I don't know what's wrong Lord. with Joey. Is it What kind of sickness do it's you have? It's a symptom of my depression. No, it's not. <laughs> hey, by the way, I don't know what it is, but the last two weeks, whatever medicine Joey is on, I told him the day. It is unbelievable. I've never seen somebody more happy and good. Like, I promise you, at work every day, it is 14-year-old Joey just laying down jokes. (laughs) 14-year-old, you know, freshman high school jokes just constantly. He's just lighting it up. So it's... Do what not forget it, the name of that. It's, what is it? It's Mary Zoloft. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's marijuana and Zoloft. <laughs> this Joey for the last two it's weeks has best. been. Ju- no, I didn't say that. <laughs> I actually, there was one day I was like, God, I wish you'd get off that medicine. Yeah. <laughs> the depressed Joey's cool as shit sometimes. <laughs> 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 this 14 year old Joey that's coming and going, hey, you're a dumbass. Oh, I'm knocking my hat off, throwing paper, at, <laughs> throwing balls of paper at us and dying laughing, like covering. You know how he looks away when he laughs really hard? It's been unbelievable. <laughs> He's been living it up, boy. He's back. I was like, man, they just, I thought maybe just one day, just lay off the medicine, come in a little down. I'd be loving life. But anyway, all right. Can we get to the news, Matt? Kick the music for me. In a world where you're considered selfish, if you want your friend to only be on his depression medication three days a week. (laughs) My name's Toby Morrell, and this is the damn news. All right, this first one I thought was just interesting, and uh, uh, I even asked you this, Joey, when I found this news article. Did you hear about the... uh, Come on. I just want to... This is the... No one can even listen to this. Okay, let me... This is a friend to a friend. And this is how the news story said it, too. I, I'm a journalist, too. I'm not as good as you. What are you, you talking about? I'm, I'm a, there's a lady, I just read this, that she is busted. Uh, they said. What that, are you talking about? They right said now? it was prostitutional because at a massage party. I was going to do that news. She, I have the actual news story. Okay. And why would you bring that up now? Because I, as, you're my friend. <laughs> we'll get to that news story in a bit. That one, That's my news that I'm going to report properly. <laughs> That really see what I'm saying? That's even, good. I even, love this. That's even good. my bad jokes just like I mean Joey's yeah, laughing yeah. high pitched. That was a like high pitched real yeah. It's like Joey. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Goof, real laugh. I, goofball joy. 
Airbus patents a supersonic aircraft that could fly from London to New York in one hour. Whoa. Yeah, isn't that cool? Airbus actually patented this idea. The Concorde 2 would have the ability to travel at 4.5 times the speed of sound Mm -hmm. and would be fueled by a system of ramjets, turbojets, and a rocket motor. Um, Let's see. And it could fly to London in 60 minutes. Standard Airlines complete the journey across the Atlantic in about eight hours. Called the Concorde 2, the supersonic jet would use a combination of three separate engines. Um, the aircraft would carry 19 people and have an aerodynamic <laughs> design system. Oh, my gosh. It would cost $100,000 of ticket. Yeah, but this is what I thought was cool. It, it would have an aerodynamic design system to make it far quieter than most craft. And that's I didn't realize that, but it goes on to say, basically, um, the original Concorde jet uh, was too loud. Like One of the limitations to the Concorde was the noise it generated that prevented mm-hmm. it from breaking the sound barrier uh, until it was over the ocean away from populated areas. Yeah, but the Concorde 1, for the record, was supersonic. It could break the sound barrier, right? Over but the ocean. Only for part of the... Okay. Right, only over the ocean. And then, uh, but this this plane will be able to... It will it would level off at 100,000 feet in the air. So basically, we go like... So there's less yeah. air resistance up there, so that helps. Yeah, and yeah, and I guess... Uh, is that is that the what sound it barriers, is? The sound barrier is also lower at higher elevation. Yeah. Like, the, 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 instead of 600 miles an hour, or, you know, or whatever. Like 767 the, the miles sand, per hour. Yeah, instead of 7-something, it, it would go down at a higher elevation. Yeah. Like Would it be able to go that the, fast if I was in it? <laughs> no, they, they said, all they said, Joey, is already it takes 19 passengers, so it would have to have a, a max capacity of 24 for you to get a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they said most likely it's only going to be used for military stuff right now, but that would be crazy just to fly mm-hmm. from New York to London in an hour. I mean, I guess technology will get so fast to where, like, do y'all actually think there one day there'll be like Star Trek and there'll be like, what is that called? Uh, uh, transporter. Yeah, the transporter. Like, you'll actually become particles and then reassemble. Is, is that even, Matt, do you know anything? Like, is that even potentially possible science could do that or not? Is that just a fantasy? It sounds, I mean, I don't think so, but it sounds pretty freaky. I mean, you know, it happened in The Fly, too. That's how The Fly got made, getting oh, rematerialized with a fly got in the chamber. So it doesn't ever sound like a good idea. I don't ever want to be <laughs> disparticled. I would just take the extra plane trip, I think. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I don't know. I, yeah, I guess you're right. But I mean, if I it, mean, came, what, like, if it became if you, normal, though. <laughs> No, I know, I know. But what if there was some weird conclusion like you, yeah, you, you, the rematerialization works. It's just you, your soul it evaporates, your soul goes away or something. You don't even know. Like, <laughs> right? There could be stuff we get to technologically that have other impacts. You just don't you even can, know. Hey, I feel normal, but my soul, <laughs> no, soul is, is gone. Like, I, my, my atoms are, in fact, back. But there you go. <laughs> All right. Joey, this last news. Do you want to read this last news? I can, I can let you read it. It's your, your massage parlor news. I just, no, I want you to do it. Okay. Well, here's why I, also. I, I love how they they just call it happy endings. Well, that just got me. Yeah, you're right. Well, one of the reasons why I wanted to read it, though, is because one of my roving reporters, Dawson Carroll, sent me this. Why didn't you call me your roving reporter? I, I basically well, Dawson found Because all you did was re-rove what Dawson sent. Yeah, the first Dawson up, beat Matt. you to it. I wasn't dude. asking you. Dawson beat you to it. Um, this comes from the local 10.com. Uh, massage parlor employee accused of giving customers happy endings. That made you laugh. <laughs> like that's what it's called. I just, Yo, you're, you're saying you're not familiar with the term happy ending yeah. massage up to this point. Yeah, definitely. You didn't I, know that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's like the only thing I've ever heard. I thought it, it called. was pretty ubiquitous. Yeah, yeah I didn't think it was anything different. An unsuspecting employee. The, the weird thing about this. Okay, I'm going to read it and see what sticks out. <laughs> 
figuratively and literally Pardon to you guys. Uh, an unsuspecting employee at the massage parlor in Margate, uh, Florida, was arrested last week after she gave an undercover detective a happy ending, police said. Ying Yin Ping Yang, who was 52, was arrested Wednesday on charges of lewd and lascivious actions. According to an arrest port, a report, police were tipped off after, about prostitution at an Asian massage parlor on Royal Palm Boulevard in Margate. An undercover detective who was equipped with an audio listening and recording device paid $45 for a half-hour massage. Police said Yang massaged the detective's back for about 20 minutes before telling him to turn over onto his back. Police said Yang told the detective that he had 10 minutes left and said she could massage his chest and pointed to his groin area. <laughs> According to the report, the detective agreed to pay Yang an additional $50 for manual masturbation. What's the what's non-manual masturbation? Is there uh, a th- I think this is kind of a redundant term. Yeah, it seems weird, like just for manual masturbation. I don't know. Police said, manual, oh, okay, sorry. Manual refers to the hand. The hand, okay, I see. Yeah. Police said Yang started to rub the <laughs> detective's penis with lotion, at which time he gave the verbal takedown signal for officers to come in and she was arrested. <laughs> <laughs> so what sticks out to y'all about that whole thing? <laughs> My question Wait, is, did, do you think there was a the, part of him that was tempted to just like, be like, like I'm going to go? Well, that's what I was going to say. When did he call in the big takedown? <laughs> right, that's what I was gonna okay, come in, guys. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, I'll get her. Right. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Like there was lotion and penis touching. I mean, good lord. Yeah. Yeah. So did did it say that he gave the command as soon as she touched it? No, it did not. It said police said police said Yang started to rub the detective's penis with lotion, at which time he gave the verbal takedown signal for officers to come in. Well, at which time? So that sounds like that. But it it says his verbal takedown signal was and done. I mean, seriously, what's his? What, I mean, she was able to touch his wiener. Like, I mean, couldn't I they stop so. it before that? Like, I mean, did did I don't did she know have because to, no, but that, that was way. and why wasn't he arrested? Like, he actually did it. Oh, I'm a cop. Get I'm busting her for everybody yeah, else. But that that was proof that that's what she was doing. I know, but I mean, you have to actually do it to. I mean, yeah, but it, it uh, very well. I don't like been. those sting things anyway because I mean, you're just. Getting, I mean, he was complicit in trying to get that person to do a bad thing in the first place just to take them down. You wouldn't do the same for, let's say, murder. And if so, you would right. stop them before the murder, right? Right. You wouldn't tempt somebody to murder you to take them down. And then right. as, as they started said, stabbing, yeah. you would take, you wouldn't do that. It's kind of a tra- entrapment. I don't know if it's not entrapment. I'm sure legally it's fine, but it's shitty thing that I think. I, right, I just like, don't think that's a like good a, a setup to kill deal. your spouse or something with a hitman, you pay him the money and then they get you. Like why did yeah. he have to actually go through well, why with set people penis up, touching? Why why would you tempt people into doing a crime or something? I, I mean I understand the philosophy of it, but I don't really like it. Especially that low bad right. thing. I mean that's not really bad. Somebody wants one and somebody gets it and it's I mean I, I don't think it's right biblically to do, but I don't see I don't think that should even be that big of a deal legally, first of all. And you're just trapping people that are, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Somebody wants a massage, somebody wants to give it. It's whatever. I mean also to put a different spin on it, what makes it when does it become illegal? Do you have to shoot a load? Is it just they touch you? Is it the intent? Now here's a true story. I was once getting a massage and it's a full body, whatever, do your legs and stuff like that. I was wearing boxer shorts and the chick comes rubbing down my thigh legitimately, and I was wearing loose underwear, and her pinky caught my nutsack. <laughs> that happened in real life, and I knew I knew the girl, and I was it was like the most awkward thing ever. She didn't talk about it, I didn't talk about it, but technically she touched my junk. Did you call the cops? 
Yeah, I called the cops and arrested. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> yeah. Did you call the cops verbally? Hey. No, I no, I I turned myself in. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Oh, so so my are, gosh. are you uh do you still hang out with this girl? Is she a friend of your I family? I know her, somebody I know, but you know, it happened. It was an accident though. She wasn't. It was an accident. Yeah, right. But it right, happened. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I'm saying, it, if she just touched his wiener, why is that? Is that the same crime? I don't know. Silly crime, really. If anything's all, I still can't imagine what his word to them to come get him. And I mean, it's just too what much. What did he tell his I, wife at dinner? What'd you do? I know. Oh, I took, down, no. <laughs> took down a real criminal today. Got a hand job. How and, far did uh, you go, great. babe? No, trust me. I stopped right away. I was really uh, good lord. Anyway, that's the news, Joey. I'm glad that you uh, you you kind of roving reported that one too. He rewrote it. Yeah, I rewrote yeah, it. You tried to steal it from Dawson, but anyway. All right, sorry, that's Dawson. The news. All right, All right. Well, brought to you by Stephen Sons, Tyler Ritter, Samuel McCumber, Chris Green, Dustin Kotzer, Ross Boomershine, Mark Bra- Brower or Bro Brower. Ben Brewer? Nope. Ben Nutter, Stephen and Janet Schink, Andy Sherrick, Ruben Nito, Alex Griffin, Benjamin McDaniel Smith, Nicholas John Stephen Day. Good gosh. Jack Goff. Can you just minus one of those names? (laughs) And then lastly, (laughs) what? Lastly, Kevin Lou. Thank you for being in the BC Club. Mike Litteris. Come on. What? These are names. You don't want to support our BC Club members? <laughs> Jack Goff has given us so much money that I can't believe it. I really, I just think, I really appreciate what he's done for us. Badchristian.com forward slash contribute. I'm telling you, man, it's uh, every every couple days people are signing on, joining the BC Club. It's the most prestigious club to be a part of. It is right, it's right up there like, it's it's like up there with the Masons. I mean, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's kind of the Mason. It's 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 a lot more like a country club where you're out on the links and in the buffet on Sunday, you know, kind of thing than it is a nightclub. If you want to think of it that way, yeah, it's like hobnobbing with other important people. If you're in in, yes. in the BC club, yeah. So, do we have an interview, Joey, of uh, one of your, you know, talking to one of our all in big time supporters? We, we got you. Want to do one of those? We sure do, and I'm glad that you brought that up. Let's do it now. Sayonara, Matt and Toby. This is Joey. Taylor, and this time, Brian time. And Brian, I don't want to try to pronounce your last name, man, because my <laughs> reputation is no good with that. Can you do that for me? I mean, I was really looking forward to that part. Okay, actually, well, so. then I don't want to fail you. You're in the BC <laughs> club, so it is Kirk's. Uh, I mean, it was, that's kind of, I mean, maybe, I guess that's kind of close. Well, uh, you say it then. Uh, it's it's actually Kirch. Kirch. So, Kirch. Yeah. Is that uh, Czechoslovakian? Uh, Polish, pretty much. Same thing, yeah. Sweet. All Slavic. Yep. Sweet, man. So Las Vegas, huh? Yes, sir. Dang. So, like, if you're a Christian that lives in Las Vegas, do you think you're tempted to sin more than anybody else? Uh, well, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know about tempted. I think, I think it's definitely more accessible to... Yeah you know, to fall into certain vices. Um, but yeah, I would say, I mean, most people who live in Las Vegas aren't really on the strip all the time. Right. And that's, I mean, 
that's right. where Sin City gets its name. You know, right. I mean, other than other than the Strip, I mean, most of Las Vegas is just a normal. I guess it would. It seems like you're in Arizona. You know what I mean? There's no real big difference between uh, Las Vegas and any other southwestern desert city. So, all right. So, uh, do you have a wife, kids? Uh, I actually uh, am. Well, I just remarried uh, gotcha. about. Eight months ago, almost okay. nine months ago. I was going to feel um, really, really crappy if you're like, I'm right in the middle of a really heart-wrenching divorce. Thank you, Joey. Uh, Close. No, yeah. you missed that by like two years. So gotcha. I actually do, I do have two daughters that they live in California, so with their mom. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I'm, I know divorce is hard, man, but glad you're through it and new, yeah. you know, got a new wife. All right, so the big three, the BC Club big three, the three questions that we – uh, it, it's kind of like a big brother, little brother relationship. Even if you're older than us, man, we love you and we show our love to you by picking on you and you cannot dodge these questions, man. All right. Okay. You cannot. So first question, you have a choice. You can either get a thousand dollars monthly for the rest of your life, or you have a power that allows you to eat whatever you want, never exercise, but always stay in tippy top shape. Which one do you choose? Um, I, I feel like that's kind of easy, actually. I, I think I'd take, I mean, I'm with Joey, so I mean, I, I think you'd be proud if I picked, you know, the eating one. That makes sense, right? <laughs> a I mean, thousand dollars a I month. A thousand, I mean, that's nice, yeah, but I mean, I don't know, the eating thing just seems awesome. Yeah, I'm going to agree with never you. Never gain weight, never, yeah, not die early from a heart attack or something, that's yeah. awesome. Let, let's stay with the food and beverage category and, and move on to the next one. Who would you rather have a beer with? Obama, Toby, Neil the Pizza Guy, or Dickie the Duck? <laughs> Some of my favorite parts of the podcast are probably our Dickie the Duck appearances. Um, but I don't think I'd understand Dickie the Duck, so it would be – I don't think the conversation would be very good. Um, I'm not a huge Obama fan. Um, Oh, you're basically to, saying Toby or Neil the Pizza Guy. I'd have to go with Neil the Pizza Guy. <laughs> oh! <laughs> That's pretty good right there. All right, so uh, last question. I know you're not a racist, but if there's one particular race that bothers you the most, what would it be? <laughs> I'm just totally kidding. <laughs> hey, man, it is, it's been a pleasure. Um, I, we really do want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. It really is awesome to have people that are with us, and now they actually kind of like get to have a voice with us, so that actually makes us pretty happy. Anything else you want to say before we sign off? I don't think so. This is probably the part where I'll regret not saying something. So, <laughs> so we'll let that go. <laughs> awesome, thank man. you, Brian. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Good talking to you. All right, Joey. Thanks again. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah! Come get him, boys. Get her, boys. <laughs> you criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> 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 <laughs>